Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla. And for today's episode, we have two very special guests with us. Their names are Alexandra Molina and Valerik Molinari, the founders of Belly Dance Stories. Valerik and Alexandra, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you. you. I'm very excited to start this conversation with you because you are uh, belly dancers, but you're dancers, you're performers, and you're entrepreneurs, the three double whammy, as it's said in the United States, um, the triple threat. Um, I'm very excited to engage in this conversation with you. Um, one moment of impact or inspiration led you both to start the belly dancing journey? Um, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm Valerique. I started my belly dance journey when I when I was 13 years old. Uh, before that, I used to dance and be part of like a dance studio, taking ballet, jazz classes and gymnastics. Uh, so dance was a very important part of my of my of my, my life since I was a child. But in the moment where I started to enter to my teenager years that my body started changing, some of these disciplines, they require certain body expectations. So at 13, I had already a very voluptuous body. So when I encountered belly dance, I remember feeling like I found a type of dance that did not restrict me or force me to change my body anatomy. And I think uh, that was one of the most important moments of my life uh, because I was in a dance camp that offered all type of dance studies uh, and suddenly they had a belly dance class. So I jumped into the belly dance class and my teacher was an incredible dancer that didn't have the body of a skinny ballet dancer, right? And she had this level of confidence in the way that she talked and she moves. And I completely fell in love in the dance uh, because it was a type of dance that at the moment made me feel very comfortable with the image that I was watching in the mirror. Uh, and, And I think since that moment on, became like a beautiful journey of also becoming a woman, but having a dance that, you know, was helping me to have a deeper conversation and deeper relationship also with myself. And uh, my turn. (laughs) Yes. So hello, I'm Alexandra. My dance journey began when I was about that same age, 14, 15. And my older sister, Luisa, we she took me everywhere and one time we wanted to start taking dance classes we weren't sure if to do flamenco or we really wanted to do flamenco but in Miami it was really difficult to find it at the time and a friend of ours recommended Hanan actually uh, which is a dancer here in South Florida but Hanan wasn't teaching at UM at the moment so they recommended us to another studio that had just opened and um we went we fell in love we continued and 
we were each, my sister and I were each going to go on our different tracks. And she was studying um, architecture and she was getting her master's. And I was still in high school, but I was um, already planning my college years. I was going to be uh, going into art and art history, which I did. I completed. And I thought I was going to be an uh, art curator and art director and work in museums and paint and sell my work. <laughs> and it was something very different that took me as a surprise. I started teaching. Uh, maybe two years after, because I really, really enjoyed it. I was the studio's first employee, so I was really immersed in the, um, the community and what was happening at the, at the studio as well. And I enjoyed how it made me feel. My family is very artistic. They're very creative. And music and dance were, is always there. Parties and social gatherings. So it's just, it wasn't anything new, but I saw a lot of similarities between Cuban dance and Arabic dance. And I just kept going. It was really beautiful. It was really pretty. I had a community around me. Um, I started to make a lot more friends outside of school and fast forward, here I am about 18, 20 years later. <laughs> and that is my belly dance journey. I do feel like a lot of people listening in may be connecting um, with some of your um, life journeys as well, because dance comes very early age for some. Others find it when they're in adult adult stage, and it's it's very liberating once you start a new skill or a new dance type. And you know, belly dancing particularly um, has been an art form for many years <laughs> that is being around from centuries there's several uh, undertones from the middle eastern as well as um, some of the um, changes that in the western culture um, have been um, transforming a bit of the dance can you share with us a bit about how do you connect with the belly dance as an art form do you study the history of belly dance? Um, do you feel connected to the way that they were performing it in Egypt or in some countries in the Middle East? For me, uh, I think that was the most fascinating aspect of the journey is that while you are studying a dance that really do not belong to your culture, you really have to immerse in the history and, and and the culture behind the dance, okay? And once you start understanding the, that, you also start understanding how these politics also uh, affect the way human interacts, even in the dancing uh, aspect. And um, uh, I believe that this dance, the way that we know it today as belly dance, it's basically born in that intersection between the West and the East gaze. And that has extremely affected the way the social imaginarium globally has framed this dance as some type of seduction uh, type of uh, dance 
that right that in in that idea of Hollywood when we think about you know Aladdin and there's just the the dancer that comes as a femme fatale and she's trying to obtain something out of somewhere and then she's using those sensual movements uh that's a very limited perspective of the dance so once we start studying in deep this dance we realize that there's so many things behind that stereotype that has been uh, crafted around the dance and also the culture behind this dance. And I think for, in my case, also as a Latina woman, that we also tend to be very stereotyped, uh, very hypersexualized because of the same reasons I do uh, I found a lot of similarities, uh, just like Alexandra was mentioning before, the way that she also found similarities in the movement. I also found a lot of similarities in which like Arab culture and Latina culture get framed or uh, stereotyped by the West. And then once you go in deep, you realize, oh my God, there's so many things you can do uh, with this art form. And it's a beautiful body language that can also has so much to express. Once I go to Egypt and to the Middle East and I start seeing the way a dancer can transform a space, right? Embracing the feeling, embracing that joy for the music, connecting to what also Arabs like to call that tarab moment. The tarab is a beautiful experience where you, you can either have it through music and through dancing where you just go into a sense of ecstasy and the dancer, the music and the audience becomes one. And it's almost, uh, almost like a spiritual experience, right? And those things don't get to get translated when we think about the stereotype of a dancer dressed in a genie and trying to, you know, seduce you or charm you um, and, and for me, has been a very fascinating journey because while I'm also studying that culture, I'm also realizing the way my culture also has an impact in my identity as a person. Um, and for me, belly dance as an art form, well, I'm a little opposite. I don't like to talk about identity as much. I feel like we're all from one place. Um, identity is a strange topic for me because it's just, for me, it's not fair. It's not fair to talk about, I'm from here, I'm from there. This has to do with my culture. This has to do with yours. I found the similarities because music is universal. So the movements <clears throat> that I was doing were universal to me. And I found that this dance and this art form was communication. It was um, it was a chance and opportunity to flow. Um, it was a it's a lot more simple for me than it is for some others, because there's something very powerful within <clears throat> simplicity, within that communication, and. I think that's why I stuck with it for so long is because of, of what happens within a classroom and what happens within a city that is 
full of Latinos, but also, you know, very diverse and has a difficult time communicating. Um, Mammy is very odd that way. So I thought, this is what this city needs. This is what my community needs. So I, I think that's why I stuck with it <clears throat> for so long. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what belly dance in short term. I could keep talking, but in short phrase, that's what belly dance means to me as an art form. And I'm not even talking about the paintings that I create. It's the physical acts of dancing. Yeah, I resonate as well with that concept of music as universal because you could be anywhere and if the uh, rhythm traps you, you just start moving. You don't question, oh, where is this from? I cannot move because this is not from a country connected to mine or, you know, like we don't think like that. We just move with the rhythm if we like the rhythm. Um, but I find it um, as well very fascinating the concept that you know belly dance is studied as an art form um however there's many prejudices and many stere stereotypes around this art form as it happens with women's bodies <laughs> in different parts of the world that you know uh, have uh, attached so many prejudices on the way that we should behave or the way that we should look or the way that we should move in a space or within our society etc and in that since I wanted to ask you since belly dancing and, and Valerie you did uh, address this that you know it was perceived in the Aladino movie and perhaps in other um, western movies regarding the Middle East and when they showcase belly dancers that you know it's perceived that belly dance is an art form that is uh, seductive or looking to attract the male gaze or to perform for the male gaze. However, I have found as well in my own belly dance journey that it is an empowerment tool for women. Like this is not, you know, just for others, but rather this is also as you both have shared an empowerment journey <laughs> where you feel freer in your own body and you know not only women because I know men that are belly dancers too so it's it's very interesting that this is not only like uh, our form just for women but we can use it as you know a, ve a vehicle to express better or to know our bodies more and um, can you share with us a bit about the empowerment aspect and some of the stereotypes or prejudices that you perceive may be a bit odd or off from what truly belly dance is. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna um, uh, was gonna go off of the empowerment part again. It's about communication, and I think that whatever art form that you use, it is that that form that you speak through. Um, however, however it comes out physically, vocally, um, and I think that should be number one to think about first, because it's, yes, there are certain elements of the art form or of the entertainment business that we we get perceived, you know, under quote, quote, the male gaze or um, stereotyped. Um, there's a lot of other elements, but that's not always the case. In my experience, I've, I've worked with all ages from, really young little kids to 80 years old and they're still with me and so what i see is the um, this 
the strongest, most powerful part that in my experience has been is in that classroom, is when they talk to each other, male or female, it doesn't matter because they're heard. And as humans in general, we want to be heard. So this dance, like I mentioned before, it's very organic, it's very personal. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to flow in these moves. And if you're in an environment that is open for it, for receiving you as a person, which in many cases belly dance is, um, then humans, we can be more heard. And I think that is um, one of the most basic parts of of getting to know uh, a belly dance as an art form, as an, a vehicle of empowerment. That's kind of where I start. Um, Val, do you want to take over? Yes. Um, I think that compared to other Western art forms like ballet and jazz, there's a lot of room for individuality also in this dance to use it as a way to uh, explore more with your authentic authenticity also as a human being. And I think that's what majorly attracts a lot of our, of our, of our people around us is that when we go to a belly dance show, right? When we create a student half lab, you can see that each dancer dance completely different. And in that preparation of their students, of our students to perform, also there comes a lot of self-exploration where you where I feel dance becomes a great vehicle for them to accept who they truly are. And because it's a dance form, just like Alexandra says, that it's it's very organic. Most of these movements, you're not really going against your nature. I'm talking about, for example, ballet, that you have to const constantly train your knees to go opposite to each other. And then at the end, you just finish damaging your body. In a sense, this dance is totally different. And um, I feel for me, the, the, the sense of empowerment that I have experienced and I have witnessed is that a lot of people find a really special way to express themselves and by that connect with others but um and, and i think in that way it's really uh different from the experience that sometimes we have here in the dance world right we tend to think of dance as something like you have to be good at it right and in this beautiful art form what we love the most is being able to express in a very organic way and actually use your own voice, your own body to do it. And then have a support system as well. You know, you talk to other dancers, um, maybe you, let's say you're performing together and this is all part of the connection, right? This is all part of that process of the empowerment because there's there's a process to, to it all. And then there's tiny little elements sprinkled all around um, what we do. Um, but maybe you're performing together and you know the other one says, oh my God, I'm so nervous, but you know what? Uh, I'm gonna do this. And then the other one says, yeah, that's right. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do amazing. Um, you know, there's like a pep talk 
either backstage or in the rehearsal or in, you know, another day that you see the dancers and your friends and your colleagues and um, your dance sisters that you connect with. So that's also part of the empowerment and the communication. Again, um, it's a very simple like word <laughs> communication, but it's so dense, um, especially because we are moving, we're using our bodies, but we're also using our eyes we're using our ears, all of our senses um, to connect with somebody else and also our feelings because we're in um, this type of art form that has become worldly and we can relate to each other through this movement. I mean, everybody in the world dances Middle Eastern dance. It's insane because that was where civilization began and that's where you know this art form has sprouted and it's been contagious all over the world so you have this other element of empowerment which is that we understand each other's struggles of performing or even getting to a class I get ladies who tell me oh my god I have I really want to come to class and I, I am sorry I haven't been to class, but you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then I have another student who they're friends with. These are, you know, these are women. These are women in their forties and their fifties. And then one tells me, no, I messaged her the other day and I inspired her to get to class. And lo and behold, she came to class and it was beautiful because then they had an even better time with, with that friendship and that connection that they made. Um, and I think that's probably the most important thing, uh, the most important gift that this art has given us. That's very beautiful. And, you know, it reminds me of the power of circles, which is something that we address here in the podcast a lot. You know, like when we go to circles, we also dance in circles and we celebrate one another and we see or mirror each other, you know, and um, there's a, a huge um, blessing in uh, this type of gatherings either as classes or as you know circles of you know being around women that you know accept you as you are and do not judge you because of your movement or hey you like should have done it with more precision <laughs> you know like it's more um, just flow just communicate just showcase whatever you feel uh, at that moment and you know I, I have this question for you sense um some of our listeners may be thinking about um and undergoing belly dancing or starting that journey but maybe feeling a bit intimidated or uh feeling a bit um unease because you know it's perceived in some parts of the world and we have audience members from different parts of the world and that's why I'm making this question um that may be perceiving this dance to be too sexual or that they need to be fit in order to start you know like I need to be like a gym junkie in order to you know start movement although you have addressed so far in our talk that this is open to women and people regardless of their gender and sex to of different ages and stages in life um what advice would you say to some of them that may be wanting to start but feel I don't know that it's uh, it's difficult to start <laughs> look the mind is a very <laughs> powerful tool and it all starts within it all starts with that mindset um 
yes, we have to get over, we have to somehow find ways to, to get over the challenges of the perceptions that may be going on around us. And we never know. There maybe in the family, within our family, we're not Middle Eastern, but we're who knows? Um, maybe there's somebody in the family that's telling you, no, you can't do this, you can't do that for your whole life. So this happens a lot. This happens a lot and and unfortunately it does and that leads to a lot of fear and we understand that that's out there but we have to find it within ourselves and be like why am I scared to go why don't I why do I want to go dance but why am I am I afraid to even take a class maybe it's not fear maybe they're not even thinking about being scared maybe they're just I don't have the time I don't find this but I think your question was more about that um getting over those the perceptions of it being sexualized and um something that is just you know not supposed to be for them quote quote well it's on that mindset (laughs) number one and it's once you do something, um, you act upon a fear and you get over that challenge and you actually do it, you're going to get the happy hormones running through the body, no matter what, that's just human, um, how we do, how, uh, how do I say, um, (laughs) that is how the body responds to when you get over something hard and when you meet that challenge. So and it's really not a scary thing to go into a classroom. But again, it's that mindset. It starts with you, um, Val. Yeah, I think that sometimes uh, what people get this scared the most is when they think about belly dancing, they're thinking about a, a, a woman wearing a bra, showing her stomach, showing her legs. And some people may still feel like, you know, I don't necessarily have a a body type that is not going to look good in that type of attire. And that's a very stereotypical image of the belly dancing because you can belly dance in any type of attire. Okay. And for me as an artist, that's something that I like to do a lot and explore is to work with different type of aesthetics in my, in my uh, dance attire. I had a screen dance video that I actually was wearing like a loose uh, dress. Uh, but it's also very interesting that I don't know, uh, probably Alex has seen this also in class, that sometimes students may come to class with big t-shirts the first three weeks and then the fourth week they're like, I'm taking this off. I'm going to be with my sport bra. And they start getting more comfortable on their own skin. Okay, So I think for anybody that it's feeling a little bit intimidated, okay? They need to know this dance is so much more, that there's an entire universe uh, in this dance that hasn't probably been explored. Uh, Not explored, I think probably it hasn't been, it hasn't had the visibility. And that's why we're doing projects like Belly Dance Stories is that, we want to people understand and we want to continue fight against this stereotype that is so limiting also. Uh, it limits the possibilities of people express themselves. And, and I think that that's people that think that they have to be fit. I believe for us women, we're very obsessed with having a flat stomach. Um, 
and you know we're constantly sucking the stomach in and all the time concerned about that or this this dress makes me a belly and we need to free the belly like one of my students she has this beautiful hashtag Kayla Mercader she has an entire uh pod uh how to say post and social media challenge about you know having people get rid also of those fears and concerns so I think one of the things that people uh limit themselves is to think that you know you have to come dress in a certain way to class and when I get inquiries for students that they want to always ask me what do I have to wear and I'm like whatever makes you comfortable you know anything that allows you to move active wear but you don't need to come with something as specific you know what I'm saying I also want to add on to that conversation and I think that since we see too much of the Barbie belly dancer and that whole idea of it's all fun, it's all perky, it's all glitter and pink and um, that's what belly dance is and that's it, is really only <laughs> maybe 20% of, of what it actually does for us within internally and also out, um, outside of us in community. But I also want them to know that a belly dance, like Val said, it's, it's a lot more than just um, the pretty costumes or the makeup. Uh, there's another, there's another side to it that is very deep. Sometimes it can be dark. Sometimes, you know, we use this these elements or this music or these movements very cathartically. Um, not that we'll like teach things like that in class because I'm we mo I mostly teach belly dance technique and fitness, um, but I also have a new class called Mindful Belly Dance and that is no technique at all. And the experience that I've had with teaching this type of class is that number one, there's no mirrors. Um, it's in the evening. It's usually with candlelight and they're, they have the eyes closed most of the time. And we do very basic belly dance moves, but it's a mind and body connection. And that class has opened up so many people. It's insane. It's a shock to me because I didn't expect these types of outcomes from teaching this type of class that I made up. <laughs> and what that taught me was that it was an assurance that belly dance is a lot more than what unfortunately most people see. And yes, that's why Val Valerique and I have teamed up to partially to do belly dance stories is because there are a lot of things to say. There's a lot of ways to um, show people and the general public, not just our community, but the general public who still has these stereotypes and it's not their fault it's our fault and and yes that is why part of the reason why we've created this project belly dance stories um because there's a lot more to say verse and not just show off that 20 percent of that barbie belly dancer that most people see in restaurants or even worse instagram <laughs> so and tiktok 
we are approaching the end of today's interview and I wanted to address the belly dance stories impact because this is your enterprise, your multimedia production company and uh, theater production company. And you have launched this organization to honor the art of Rex Charky and highlight the voices of South Florida belly dance community. What needs were you seeing, particularly in South Florida, that led you to launch this enterprise? I'm going to start, Alex, with the beginning of our journey. We were both teaching in Miami separately, right? So we got together and we wanted to create a show for students, right? Like a normal student recital. And through that conversation, we had this concern. And the question was, how can we make people understand the power of this dance? You know, that when you're watching a beginner student showcase, there's so much happening beyond that three-minute performance that people are seeing, okay? And with that started the, the it came out the idea that we could have the dancers tell their stories, record their voices. So when it comes to the performance, people will hear a little bit about the story of that dancer or the piece that they're gonna perform, why they're doing it, what it's their intention, and then they were gonna be able to see the dancer. And that was gonna create a different type of connection, but it was a way to also do entertain the audience, right? Because people were gonna understand, oh, you know, she's not a intermediate student practicing their steps. There's an entire transformation that is happening in that human being. And I'm being also part of it, which is the most uh, important thing. And uh, when we created that first show, we realized that a lot of people were even more engaged rather than to put the performances back to back with, you know, without giving them any type of context. And when we created that show, we realized that, oh my God, that this format, it's helping us to, to bond more with our audience. Uh, and also we realized on the power of storytelling and how also storytelling was a great way to seduce our audience, to bring them back to us and see, hey, listen, you know, this dance it's beautiful, you know, our dancers are beautiful, but there's also this entire universe happening here. Um, and, and that's how it started and how that's how we evolved. We decided to do a podcast to continue expanding the voices of our dance community. And in a period of, I want to say, Alex, two years? No, it's... <laughs> it's, it's we have done so much, right? <laughs> oh my God, it's insane. It feels like it. No, it was one year of the first show in August, this August. So it's only been a year and a few months, really. We uh, started last year, 2022. Exactly. So we got so uh, passionate about it. And I think the fact that we also shared the same goal, uh, as also as artists and producers of, of this uh, production that, you know, it 
you put both of our fires together and that's it you know and then after that we were so like after the first show we were so hyped and we realized that oh my god this is creating an impact uh we noticed it by the way the audience uh, reacted we noticed it by the way our dancers and our students also uh change with the show and that's how we started to also create a podcast because we wanted it there's the 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 living experience of the show right where people are not able to get the the video of the full show but then my dear alexandra here created also a, a book with the stories the dancers told on stage into a physical work uh and then we also created the podcast because that's the next step of Bellion Stories. We want to take it outside the South Florida community, okay? And for us, it's a great success that you are in Puerto Rico and hearing from our stories and and, and also hearing the noise that we're making, uh, it's, it's, it's really powerful and we're, we're very grateful for it. Alex, you want to add more? I think you nailed it. <laughs> um, I love the concept of edu entertaining <laughs> um, because you are not just, you know, allowing people to showcase their art or what they have achieved so far or whatever they want to share or communicate, but you're educating the audience to uh, revalue this um performance and revalue their own prejudices or their own stereotypes around this art form and um, I, I invite you to share with us more about the podcast how can people follow your work and any upcoming events that you have um, please do share how can we follow you as well <laughs> well you can follow us on instagram at belly dance stories underscore no belly dance underscore stories <laughs> and our YouTube channel is Belly Dance Stories. Um, you guys can also email us at bellydancestories at gmail.com. Um, website. And the website, of course. <laughs> How could I forget that? <laughs> Bellydancestories.com. <laughs> it's very easy. It's very easy. You just put Belly Dance Stories everywhere. And Spotify <laughs> and, and and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, it will probably be hopefully reaching more people around the world because there's so much to share about this dance and the way the way that people live through this dance. And um hopefully they resonate with your stories and want to share their own stories with you as well. Um Valerique and Alexandra, thank you so much for your time today. Um, we're gonna be listing down below in the description box all the links to Belly Dance Stories and invite our listeners to um, continue learning more about your work. And thank you so much for joining. <laughs> thank you, Natalia. And thank you also you for this amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Natalia. This was really cool. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Please let us know your feedback and any reflections that you have on this topic and others. You can follow us on social media on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at womenhood underscore IR. Thank you so much for tuning in and talk to you soon.